we are able to bring you these weekly podcasts through the financial support of our members and friends. If you are helping to sustain the ongoing work of our church with your regular donations, thank you. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring donation, visit the donate page on our website, ucofh.org, or text 833-610-0867. Thank you for helping to share worship and messages of hope with the wider community during these unprecedented times. Welcome to the United Church of Hinesburg podcast on the third Sunday after Pentecost, Proper 6, 2020. We are a community-centered church in rural Vermont celebrating together virtually during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic. As an open and affirming church with ties to the American Baptists, United Methodist, and United Church of Christ denominations, we're glad you're here. I'm Rev. Jared Hamilton, the pastor of UCH. Sammy Yanksman has provided music for this episode, including Mozart's Minuet in F. Today's gospel lesson comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35, through Matthew chapter 10, verses 23. There will be a short homily and service of morning prayers. Let's get started. gospel lesson for the third Sunday after Pentecost, proper 6a, in the Christian calendar, comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35, through Matthew chapter 10, verse 23. This is the New Revised Standard Version. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no towns of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give now without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts. No bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or even a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is in it of worth, and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. 
But if the house is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave the house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings before me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. easing our way into the season after Pentecost, a time in the Christian year that focuses on the growth for the church and our personal growth as disciples of Jesus Christ. The gospel passage, the gospel passages that have been selected for the next 20-something weeks or so will focus on what Jesus did and what Jesus taught. Occasionally, we will run into a passage like we have today, one where many things are happening within a larger story. And we have to choose to focus our attention 
on perhaps only one part of the passage. Otherwise, this would be an exceptionally, exceptionally long podcast. Immediately after uh, giving the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been active in Matthew's Gospel. He performs several healings, calms a storm, and heals two troubled men across the Sea of Galilee. He calls a tax collector named Matthew to join the cause, the person we traditionally attribute this, uh, the writing of this gospel. He also, uh, we also get a possible resurrection story, which for this gospel is interesting. With all this action, it's clear that Jesus was more than a traveling sage to Matthew, someone that traversed the countryside, expounding the philosophy by words only. And Jesus' words and actions were clearly aligned. We can imagine that his followers must have been pretty pumped about all of this. Jesus' public ministry was running on the high, hard ground, a time when the early movement was moving swiftly and effectively. Outcomes could be measured in the folks that were healed and people who were joining the cause. Everything at this point in the story is clicking. Certainly we've all experienced times like these. We might call it being in the zone or in the groove. These are those times in our lives when our work seemed effortless because it was exciting. And teachers have had years that stand out when their classes were exceptional. Uh, businesses have times when work seems essential and lively. Nurses and doctors are part of teams that gel and work seamlessly. The cows are milking well. The weather conditions are perfect for growing crops. You know, all of the work seems worth it. The disciples were on the ride of their lives here. And verse 35 sums it up. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the local houses of worship and proclaiming the good news of God's new way. And he went about curing every disease and every sickness. And when I read this verse, I think or imagine a movie montage, a set of clips set to some inspiring and uplifting music where a lot of good is happening in quick succession. But in verse 36, the mood changes. And when he, uh, he being Jesus, looked upon the crowds, his heart was filled with compassion, because these people were harassed and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. It's an interesting statement on several levels. Now, most scholars contend that the crowds Jesus often gathered were people on the margins of society. In Jesus' day, there was no budding middle class. There was a tiny ruling class which consisted of political families and the families of religious authorities and everyone else. So there were a lot of people on the margins in Jesus' day. This class was made out of the people mentioned in previous chapters, lepers and servants, the families of fishermen and people living among the tombs, paralytics and the disabled. These people had no political power, and many of those folks were considered ritually unclean, thus alienating them from their very faith tradition. 
Jesus is asking this question, you know, who is helping these people? The statement that the crowd were like sheep without a shepherd had been, at the time of Jesus, a common political statement. We remember that kings, prophets, and judges in Israel's history were often referred to as shepherds. To say that they were without a shepherd meant that no one in power had their interest in mind. We also know from our scriptures that Jesus considered himself the good shepherd of these people. But Jesus' statement about sheep without a shepherd makes me wonder if Jesus is getting a little fatigued at this point in his ministry. He's been going nonstop, perhaps riding the adrenaline of good results. The compassion that he feels in verse 36 seems certain to be tinged with a bit of weariness and the realization that even he wasn't going to be able to help everyone. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow has a poem that describes this feeling well, I think. Labor with what zeal we will, something still remains undone. Something uncompleted still waits the rising of the sun. By the bedside, on the stair, at the threshold near the gates, with its menace or its prayer, like a mendicant it waits. Waits and will not go away, waits and will not be gainsaid. By the cares of yesterday, each today is heavier made. Till at length the burden seems greater than our strength can bear, heavy as the weight of dreams pressing on us everywhere. And we stand from day to day like the doors of times gone by who, as northern legends say, on their shoulders held the sky. And it's at this moment in our story that Jesus concludes that some of this work must be delegated if it is to continue. So, Jesus summons his twelve closest followers, and he gives them instructions to preach the good news and help the sick. He also provides some demanding qualifications for the work. His disciples are not to ask for money for their work, and they should not take donations. They should also pack light, relying on goods and kind for their continued survival. And he also adds a word of caution. His disciples will meet resistance. Some will even experience violence and be taken to court. Jesus reminds them to stick to the cause and to remember that the Spirit of God will be with them through any difficulties. At least this was the pitch. I can imagine Jesus talking with his disciples about this and there being a collective gulp. The original Greek text even allows us to imagine Jesus making this pitch to a big crowd, but only twelve offered to give it a go. Again, these disciples were on the rides of their lives, hanging out with this healer and sage and wondering if he was the one who would free the people of Israel from Roman occupation. Now, a portion of this enormous and ambitious endeavor was given to them. For some folks that I've talked uh, with recently, this extended time at home 
has been a valuable time for completing home projects. Others have taken up a new thing like watercolor painting or sewing or have restarted physical training or meditation. I moved into a new home last fall. And time in the Hamilton household during the pandemic has been filled with many homesteading projects like cutting wood, digging gardens, and repairing a deck. I've noticed a sense of dread creeping in though recently. It seems that even as work gets done, the list of projects gets longer and more expensive. It's so much easier to dwell on those things that are left undone at the end of each day than to check off those items that were completed. The walls still need to be scrubbed. The zip line still hasn't been installed. The fence needs moved again. The trail to the brook hasn't been created. Wood hasn't been moved and on and on. That feeling, that sense of being overwhelmed is real, and we've all experienced that in our lives. We are all experiencing, different, experiencing a different kind of overwhelm as well. Pandemic continues, and our usual support systems are upended. The nation continues to confront the realities of our racist history. We struggle to find effective ways to be allies in this confrontation and work to examine our own white privilege and place and systems that hurt people of color. We know that lasting change will require more than placing a Black Lives Matter sign in our yards or sharing an inspirational Facebook post, but we just don't know how to go about it. Today's gospel lesson might help those of us that feel this way. For Jesus, the ever-busy Savior, compassion was the guide. Maybe he thought he could bulldoze the problems of this world with a few extra hours here and there, another healing, or just one more speech. Until he realized that he couldn't. Struggling people outnumbered the hours in the day. Problems continued to come. Systematic oppression could not be lanced with a single voice. Realizing his own limitations, perhaps even having some compassion for himself here, he called on others to help. By doing so, he realized that others have a role to play in lasting change. If you are feeling a little overwhelmed these days, have some compassion for yourself. When Jesus was confronted with the reality of hurting people, he also complained about his society's leaders. He felt terrible, and he tried to do too much. And then, he went about it a different way. He reevaluated his resources. His followers that until now had been along for the ride would become disciples and thus extensions of his hands and feet. And he continued to work hard. But he made this work all the more impactful by stopping and thinking. There's a lot of good we could be doing these days if we didn't allow ourselves to get overwhelmed. Perhaps we need to reevaluate our resources, include others, or be willing to step out of the spotlight. May you do good work this week. And remember that you are part of God's plan 
to make this world a better place. Amen. Feel free to join me in saying the prayer of our Savior, followed by a prayer for all of God's creation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Loving God, we pray for all people. Because of the pandemic, we continue to be away from each other, separated from our communities and loved ones. Comfort us and give us hope as we await a time when we can see each other face to face. Pour out your blessing on us, O Lord and send us your spirit of peace. We pray for the earth. Help us to see the scars that mark your good creation and to seek the blessing of life that you offer to all of your creatures. Pour out your blessing, O Lord, and send your spirit of peace. We pray for all nations. Show us how good and pleasant it is when people live together in unity, and anoint us with your wisdom so that we may seek the ways of life. Pour out your blessing, O Lord, and send us your spirit of peace. We pray for the church. Let your church be a living sign of the risen Christ, sharing the gift of forgiveness in the gospel of reconciliation. Pour out your blessing, O Lord, and send us your spirit of peace. We pray for loved ones. There are people and places on our hearts and minds right now. Hear our prayers and petitions during this moment of silence. By the blessing of your Spirit, help us to live as we pray, so that the world may come to know the gift of life in Christ our Lord. Amen. Life is short and we do not have long to gladden the hearts of those around us. So be quick to love and do good to your neighbor and allow God to journey with you all of your days. Go now in peace.